This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. You know, just as COVID-19 restrictions began easing and families were taking a deep sigh of relief, well, the Delta variant abruptly entered the scene. And with it brings new mandates, new anxieties, and now new questions. Dr. John Damon, CEO of Canopy Children's Solutions, is here with us today to discuss some ways that you can help your children handle it and handle another school year with this pandemic. Well, welcome, Dr. Damon, a little later in the show. But first, it's time for me to catch up with my good friend Michelle and the weekly roundup. Michelle, it's Monday. It's hard to believe it. We made it to another week. Oh, we did make it. Goodness gracious. Pot up now. Come on, let's get going here. Here we go. It's Monday. It's Monday. Oh, it is very yes, definitely Monday. I'm here, oh my you're goodness. Here. We are here. That's we right. John We're vertical. Here, our good yeah, John's friend. here here. I love John Damon. Oh my God. We we were talking about we Got a little bit early. of a crush action going here. <laughs> no, I like John too. In fact I I got a crush on John also, I'll be really honest with you right now. He's great. He's just such a great guest and it's always having fun here. I made you blush. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this this show's starting off with oh some serious energy today. Gracious. Excellent, uh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's great live radio. No, anyway, it, no, it's it's a nice day out. And, um, and Kevin yeah. made chocolate chip cookies for everyone you know who what? doesn't know. I know you know Kevin Farrell. If you're listening to, MPB, he's a rock star around you MPB. Know Kevin yeah. Farrell, but he's I'm going to put him on blast. He's probably liking this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he is uh, a cookie making, master. Yeah, well, yeah. he's um, he's baking. He and, is baking. Um, so it's oh. not just like he buys the tube and cuts it up and throws no, it out there. No, no, no. he's doing it he's from scratch. And he's made uh, macadamia cook, uh, macadamia white, white mm-hmm. chocolate, right. macadamia mm-hmm. last week. This week was chocolate chip, my yes. favorite. Mm-hmm. Which you've um, got three of them right there. Uh, no, I have two that broke. Yes, so into it, three pieces. That's what you. That's <laughs> your story, and you're sticking to it. Um, and uh, I know he was going to decide to make snickerdoodle or a chocolate chip, and I raised my hand for chocolate chip. So thanks, Kevin. Maybe next week we'll get snickerdoodle. Um, he made. I want to say oatmeal raisin. If I'm not mistaken, the two weeks ago, and yes, all of them have been good, so they kind of run together. It's just a great cookie all the way around. I thought you could say that they all look different, but they all taste about the oh, same. Oh no, no, no! no. Now, I, w- I will say this, and that's one of the fun things about working at MPB is that when I listen to MPB, of course, I know the personalities behind the voice, right? Mm-hmm. So, but no, every time I hear Kevin, I mean, it's like I'm thinking cookie. Yes. Cookie. Cookie. (laughs) Doing my Cookie Monster impersonation. I won't do that. You and I were, Malcolm just got off the air and he was talking about taking a picture with, who was that, Pinkalicious? Yeah, something. Because you and I both, our kids are the same age, so we're we're totally out of the children programming stage of our lives. I don't know Pinkalicious, and I should, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm still Bob the Builder, okay? Well, I work here and I should know who Pinkalicious is, but Java has the young kids and he keeps me abreast of what's going on in the uh, kids' realm. My daughter will be 18 on October. 16th yay and she's a senior this year so we were reminiscing uh you and i were talking about cartoons that she used to watch and she and i were talking this past weekend about just old things and she was saying i remember uh dora the explorer and blues clues was one of her favorite um i love those shows i used to watch spongebob with her (laughs) and i secretively still like spongebob but you know, it's well, not a secret anymore. <laughs> well, no, no, everybody knows that I know what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> no. So uh, get definitely, uh, you know, 
over the weekend, uh, my boys, my two oldest sons are now away at, at college. Mm-hmm. And so I get done cutting the grass and, and my wife comes out saying, oh, let's go drive to their college, which is two hours away, and go have dinner with them. Sure, no problem. So I take a shower and we go do that. And I was thinking about that because, you know, I, I, we have the Bob the Builder little cutout thing here. Mm-hmm. And my son loved Bob the Builder. And I loved it, too, because it gave me... It and Jason Klein are the two people that make me totally fearless when it comes to home improvement projects. You know, Bob the Builder. Jason, did you hear that? Yeah, I'm just wow. going to throw that out there. You know, you can <laughs> can we fix it? Yes, we can. But I remember one time we had a tornado coming toward the house, right? And so we were in the hallway. My son was little tiny, and he's 21 now. So, But he was little tiny, and he was totally scared. And I sang over and over the Bob the Builder theme song. Aww. And I can sing that right now. Oh. But I will not do that. Why? Because I can't sing. I think that was uh, a spiel. Yeah. I think you wanted yeah. to really Bob sing. Bob the Builder. So you could always get it out so there. He wanted it's to do great it. great stuff. But yeah, no, it, it's, it is funny, though, because by the time my second one came around, he was watching the same things his brother was. So he never really watched the kiddie stuff. Mm-hmm. He he was like into Scooby-Doo right away. You know what? Speaking of Scooby-Doo, that is a cartoon. Very good. Well put together. Well, yeah, the, but I never really early got years. into it. I don't know why. Well, I it's because you probably watched the Scrappy-Doo years. Well, no. I was actually kind of scared. Uh, or sitting on the edge of my seat when I was little. We had Tom and Jerry. And believe it or not, my, I best, love some Tom and Jerry. my best friend and I yeah. were talking about this yesterday, the cartoons that we used to watch. Right. Uh, I watched Tom and Jerry and... Um, the uh, Looney Tunes. Oh yeah, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner, The Martian. Yes. Oh, and that makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, you can do all those. And Frog, what Foghorn? Foghorn Leghorn. Leghorn. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I've worked with Foghorn Leghorn before. Really? I used to have a publisher just like them. And yeah. those, uh, that's our memories, my memories right. of cartoons. But uh, speaking of um, Scooby Doo, I used to be on the edge of my seat trying to figure out who did it before they figured out. Who oh, it did was it. always, you know, it was pretty obvious. It was usually the first person they ran into that was wearing a rubber mask. <laughs> Well, when I watch Murder, She Wrote, I do the same thing. Right. I try to figure out who killed who before. Uh, I would not live does. in that town because it's like the de- it's like that. And on watching Hawaii Five O now, the death rate in Hawaii must be off the charts because somebody's dead before the first five minutes of the show every week. It's like it's a terrible place to be. Cabot Cove is a wonderful place to live. It's beautiful. Uh-huh. It's on the sea. And I mean, it's a beautiful place. <laughs> I love Angela Lansbury and I would love to meet her. Oh, she day. was such a great teapot. Yes. <laughs> She, she really was, was. She was not a team. Well, well, she was too. It was in, in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah, she sure was. That's a right. Teapot. See, that's the thing. That, why do you think I became a cartoonist? Because I'd watch all these cartoons. And if so. you're wondering what you've turned and you're listening to, this yeah, is this now. is uh, this is going down here real quick uh, because we are, you know, obviously it's in a Monday very morning. We're in a very situ- serious situation mm-hmm. right now, so it's levity is a very healthy thing mentally to have. Well, you know what? I know John. He's listening, and I can't wait for him. No, to he come probably in. hung up. Matter of fact, I think he did. <laughs> no, but I really want him to talk about. Something that we didn't put in the script. How um, laughter and, and doing things that you enjoy right. helps us mentally uh, compartmentalize what's going on. Let me now. tell you a quick story. So I had my melanoma surgery back in 2001. It was the summer of the shark. This was the big thing, right? So I have this big scar on me. It's about, oh, I don't know, about six inches long because I'm holding my hands up because everybody in radio can see that. And so I'm at the beach and I've got just cuts all over me because he took like eight other spots off. I have an, at like a six to eight inch scar on my back. And I go into the ocean and a lady starts staring at me. Well, I can tell you that no time in history has a lady ever stared at me before, okay? This just did not happen. And I realized she was staring at the scar on my back, right? And I felt very self-conscious, and I felt kind of ashamed. And I looked at her, and I guess I 
could have gotten mad at her, but instead I decided to have a little fun with her. And I just said, oh, that, it was a shark attack, and it happened right where your little girls are swimming. And she grabbed her kids, and she ran out of the water. You are so mean. It was awesome. <laughs> Do you know what? That was like the best way in the world to get rid of my anxiety. And I, I mean, I made a, made a joke about it. And, you know, I, I sometimes get that because I'll send out a tweet or I'll do a cartoon or something. And everybody's like, that's not funny. I'm like, well, yeah, actually, it is funny because if you can't find some humor in some things, and obviously the situation that we're in right now with what's going on in the hospitals and so forth, it's hard to yuck up about that. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand that. But um, you know that a lot of the nurses in there and the doctors and everything else are probably getting through the day by using gallows humor to some degree of just trying to be able to lift each other and lift, lift each other's humor. So I think there is a huge part for humor in life. And I mean, I have preached that for years. Uh, as, and of course, that's what I do. But, you know, I, di- I never really, because I do it professionally when I draw the cartoons, you know, I make fun of serious situations. But then I started making fun of myself and I started making fun of the situations I was in. And it was so incredibly healing. I wanted to ask you a question. You drew a cartoon this past week and it got some flack. Um, it was the one. Oh, which one? I know. <laughs> I drew a lot of cartoons that they all They've got flack. some flack. Well, in hindsight, do you sometimes say maybe I shouldn't have drawn that, or do you when you, before you draw it, what's going through your mind before you draw something? There have been two or three cartoons in the years that I look back that I probably said, oh no, I kind of missed that one. That that wasn't quite right, or you know, you can kind of judge by the comments. I don't mind if people are critical. But if they don't get it, then the, maybe that's a problem. And I think maybe the one you were talking about was the one with the cows. Yes. Yeah. No, I somehow, if anybody wants to, and I had a lot of people say, well, um, you know, they try to say what the medicine that was involved was fine. Well, that's great, but don't go to the livestock store and go buy your medicine because you're going to end up having to call poison control like 70% of the people were doing. So that was the point of the cartoon. So now I think the cartoon, because it got the intention it did, and hopefully somebody will say, well, maybe I shouldn't use cow medicine to get better. Maybe that might be helpful. So no, that one doesn't bother me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And like I said, um, you know, one thing about life is you're not going to make people happy all the time. (laughs) And people aren't going to agree with you all the time. I'm married, a a beautiful young lady who we've been married for 28 years, and she doesn't agree with me, but half the time. (laughs) And she loves me. And, and, you know, so I mean, it's like you can't, you can't be thinking, well, is this going to be something that everybody loves? Mm -hmm. You just got to say, okay, is this the point I'm trying to make? Am I going to make it correctly? Do you, um, are you still teaching that cartoonist class? You know, I only did that about like every other couple of years. So in your, when you were teaching the class, did yeah. you, uh, was that a point a lot of the students had or questions about, um, like, how do I do a cartoon if I feel that people are not going to like it or should I just be true to what I believe? Did they have questions like that? Yeah, we did. I mean, that was kind of one of the things that I always talked about, that it was their voice, that if they were going to stick their head up out of the foxhole, that they were going to probably take a few shots and they're going to have to be able to defend it. And, uh, you know, people always give me cartoon ideas and I'm like, well, that's, that's nice of you. Thank you. But I never use them. Because why would I want to draw a cartoon with somebody else's idea and then have to take blame for it? Mm. You know, if it's whatever that you see on there is my voice and that is what I'm saying. And like I said, at the end of the day, I mean, I hope people understand that I love Mississippi, right? I wouldn't be here. Okay. I am not a Mississippian by birth. I'm one by choice. I've been here for 25 years. Um, But, you know, 
became a little different once I started having children. Mm -hmm. It was more than just, oh, I love Mississippi. It's like, oh, no, I love this state so much. I want it to be its best Mm -hmm. for my kids. And so that at the end of the day, that's what drives me. Speaking of being the best. We got the best on the 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 line right now. It's fantastic. I can't wait to uh, get him on the show. He's no stranger to MPB. Uh, Dr. John Damon, CEO of Canopy Children's Solutions. Love when he comes by to talk to us about how to navigate yet again another school year with uh, within this pandemic. He's one of the smartest guys I know. Yes. Okay. And I'm a parent. You're Let's a parent. build him up a little bit and here. This is, it's, 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 <laughs> no. And I want to talk to him uh, when he gets here because it's frustrating and it's scary being a parent and knowing that your children will be in school all day, some wearing masks, some not, um, on what they can come home with, what they can bring, and then you go to work and what you can get. So it, it's a lot to take in. And you thought it was getting better, and then yet again we have another, you know, a variant that came in and just swooped and changed everything once again. Well, well we as grown-ups are having to navigate this, too. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, we have to figure out what's the best way to get the mask on our kids, too. Mm-hmm. No, that's airline analogy more than just mm-hmm. mask on that. we got to make sure we take care of our kids. Yes, we do. Well, let's take that quick break. And when we get back, we're going to welcome Dr. John Damon, CEO of Canopy Children's Solutions. So stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Marshall Ramsey. This year, COVID-19 continues to present challenges for students and families. Students may experience stress as they return to the classroom, and some may worry about themselves or a loved one becoming ill. And while COVID-19 is not new, there are many still unknowns out there, especially as the Delta variant spreads. So let's welcome back to the show Dr. John Damon, CEO of Canopy's Children's Solution, to discuss children's mental health during this pandemic John, welcome back to the show. Marshall, it is great to be back. Man, look, my mental health's better just listening to you and Michelle back and forth going through crushes and Bob the Builder and Scooby-Doo. And, well, I would hope you that know, you're, you know, because awesome. we're crushing on you, I would hope that your mental health is doing better, at well, least your self-esteem. Like, well, it's like you having the, the lady look at you with the shark scar, you know, for the first time. I was like, man, I had the crush. This is good stuff. Yeah, well, my wife was over there watching that whole thing go down, just shaking her head going, you're going to Hades. You're going to Hades the whole time. So. But, you know, I mean, there's so much truth to that, John. I mean, seriously, if you can't find some joy and some humor in the middle of, I mean, you know, because I didn't know how long I was going to live at that point, you know, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to make a joke about it. Well, Marshall, and, you know, and y'all were talking about earlier, Michelle mentioned just that role of laughter, right? Um, it's so powerful, man. Your 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 comedic sense of, of just wit and uh, it is something that was probably a, a protective factor for you through all of that. Oh, it definitely was my whole childhood. And, you know, I think about after the third head wound, I think that's when it really came about. So it was very helpful. 
highly recommend hitting the fireplace. So, um, no, do not try this at home, kids. Uh, do not, you know, the, the advice you get on uh, MPB radio is <laughs> not to be followed. John, I, I tell you what, we've, um, mm. God, we were so close, you know. I mean, we'd, know, right? we were slipping back to normalcy. I mean, you know, I did not even think about it. You know, a lot of us got our vaccines and, and we kind of felt 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And, yep. and then this thing mutates and here we are again. Well, I tell you what, the COVID fatigue is, is real, right? Yes. It's been such a profound challenge for our communities, for our families, for us as individuals. Um, and, and, you know, the, sadly, the, the, the numbers are shaking it out. I mean, yeah. across lots of research with, you know, 80,000 kids looking at depression, anxiety rates, man, they're up 25 and 21 percent, CDC showing suicide Thoughts and attempts up, uh, you know, 26 and 37 percent. I mean, the, the COVID fatigue with the depression and the loneliness and lack of motivation and being exhausted is just so real. And like you said, man, that the taste of almost normal again um, and then to be put back, it, it, it puts us at risk for, uh, you know, all sorts of things on, on here we are on, on round two. Yeah, it's, it's like a perfect storm, too, because, I mean, this variant is way more contagious. And, you know, obviously, uh, it's almost like the virus itself mutated to say, oh, OK, I'm going to take advantage of this. Of course, is not how viruses work, but it does seem that way. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's very, very frustrating. How, how are you? How is your team adjusting? Well, on the on the home front, you know, we've had so many moving parts. We, we've had, uh, you know, we'll have four graduations this year. You mentioned your two boys at college and we just took one to college this weekend. And, um, so we've got milestones happening all around us. Um, and it has been just wide open. Um, you know, fortunately everybody's had some pockets of some small group folks that they can kind of lean into and, and, um, you know, be real with, which has been very helpful, uh, on the work front. It's a constant challenge, right? We've got 24-hour operations um, that that you have to live with it, and um, and heroes who are going in to those situations at risk every day, um, and how to keep our canopy families safe and thriving, um, and it can't just be safe. I mean, you've got to. I mean, bicycles don't do well if you stand still on them. Um, you've got, you know, and you have your your helmet on and, and you're safe you've got to be moving forward. And so the thriving part has been just as much of the intervention as the safe part, um, because that is, we're made to thrive and to move forward. And so you've got to find that way in this next normal. You know, I was thinking about that, the comparing now compared to may say be last March, last April, when everything shut down and so forth. And, you know, we know enough now because of the experiences that, you know, we can operate, we can move forward. Yes, there are some things we have to do. And now the question is, some people aren't necessarily doing them, but we need to do them. But we know how to be able to function through this thing. And that, that has to help some. It, it is. I mean, we've, we've, I mean, the, the challenge is obviously you've got this duration problem, right? Yeah. It, it's just, it, we're, we're really good. The gazelle's really good getting away from the line in a short burst. Bad if that burst is 18, 20 months. Right. That, that is not, you got this rapid changing information. You've got conflicting messages. You've got, you know, do we isolate and quarantine? Are we back to real life? We're going to school. We're not all this uncertainty about the future. You know, the, the, the one constant has been change, right? And so what, what we do a lot here uh, with our team and I'm trying to do with my kids is, you know, 
and you look at different cultures, right, who have uh, things happen all the time. You look over in, like, in, in Israel with bombings and so forth. Have, they, they have a different mindset about events, right? You begin to, to begin to think, you know, okay, what we do is going to change, and I need to inoculate my brain. I need to protect myself that we are in a new next normal. And part of my posture needs to be be ready to adjust uh, today, uh, not be disappointed constantly, because then you get set up for that learn helplessness cycle, right? Right. But how do I how do I prepare? You know, like if I'm going to you know use a sports analogy, you know, if, if football game, you're constantly changing what play based on what defense or what, you know, it's it the whole game is a constant change, and we have to kind of learn to embrace. We invented a word here, nimbility. We've got to have great nimbility if we're going to thrive, because if we get set that this is how it should be, this is what I expect, and then it changes, you just get that disappointment after disappointment, and you can it puts you at risk for learned helplessness. Yeah, that's huge, and that's one of the things because if kids can't process the trauma, they can't process what's what's going on, then it ends up becoming chronic, and it's something that they deal with down the road is PTSD. So the the main thing with your kid is you have to teach them how to be able to literally for lack of better terms, roll with the punches. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's back before they had lots of, you know, regulatory, you know, protections on research and psychology way back when they did these experiments with animals, right. Where, you know, one side of the cage was shocked, but not the other side. And then the stimulus would go off and, and they would learn, Oh, if I move over here, I don't get shocked. Right. And, and the light would come on, they'd move over there and not get shocked. And they'd do that over and over, but then they'd switch the condition, right? And now they're going to shock the other side of the cage. Well, the animal could learn pretty quick. I go, okay, now i got to go back over here, all right? So think about our kids with COVID. Okay, I'm going to wear my mask. I'm not. We can go to school. We can't. As long as the conditions are clear, you can adjust and make the adjustment. The problem was is when all of a sudden both sides of the, of the cage get shocked. Yeah. They didn't know where to go. And they felt like they get shocked every direction. And what they eventually did was just lay down. They quit fighting. They quit moving. And, and that learned helplessness that drives a deep depression, this is when we got to spot that happening. And the intervention for those animals, by the way, was you, you, you set the conditions again, and you'd have to literally kind of drag them over to the safe side. Like, here's the light. Hey, you're going to be okay. Let me drag you over here to this side. Here's the light. Let me drag you back over. You do it over and over till they realize, hey, I really can have some sense of control on how I operate in the world around me. And, and you know, hopefully with some of our kids that get into this really tough spot and our friends, sometimes you got to drag them, right? They're in their bed. They don't want to get out. They don't want to move. And you go, no, I'm coming to the house. We're going to go on a walk. Um, I'm going to drag you out of the bed. <laughs> We're going to go do something together. You're going to engage with other people. Um, and so we have to really, you know, realize and, and take care of ourselves to give our brains the best possible scenario to thrive. You know, people talk about getting the right sleep and exercise and diet, mindfulness and getting outside and all of that. But those things are critical to set the stage for our brains to have optimal opportunity to thrive. The tough part, John, I guess, is, you know, sometimes the parents themselves struggle through the same things and it's tough for the parents you know the old adage about when you're on the airplane and the masks drop you have to put the mask on yourself first before you can put it on the person you're trying to help totally man that's exactly it marshall and 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 sadly we kind of have a culture where 
we we put our kids first, which is a good thing, but we forget about our marriage, we forget about ourselves. Yeah. Um, and and you're right. You've got to put your own oxygen mask first, and in, in in so doing, that empowers you to better serve your kid. I mean, it really does. For for mom to get in the hot bath and have a long time for themselves and put on something relaxing and light the candle, you know, don't feel guilty about that. Don't feel like I'm doing, I'm pulling away from my kid to take care of me and I feel guilty and we're just getting so guilt ridden. No, this is the way that I'm going to make sure I do serve you better is to take care of myself. And we've got to really adopt that. If that's your routine of getting up in the morning and I'm going to take a good long walk before everybody gets going or at night to, to have my, my time alone or read or take a bath or whatever, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to force myself to not go to that comfort food and just grab something out of the pantry. That's you know salty and sugary and really good. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to actually try to eat something healthy. These are ways that I take care of me so that I can take care of my. Okay, kids. John, you were doing great up until this point, but now you're meddling. Um, you start talking about, you <laughs> know, <comfort> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it's okay. So. You hit me a little bit too close to home, but you're right. I mean, you're spot on there. You're just spot on. And, you know, cause like I said, if you're all caught up in your own business, you're not going to notice that your kids need help. That's right. And, and parents are the experts of their kids. I mean, they really are. And, and teachers, I mean, they, they see these, they can tell when there's a change in their behavior, right? They can spot little things. You know, that, that, that new mom who takes their kid to the pediatrician again and just says, I'm just telling you something's wrong. And the pediatrician says, I don't see it, but, but mom's right. I mean, those right. spiting senses that they have are spot on. And so if you're not taking care of yourself, though, you're, you're decreasing your spotting senses. You're, you're decreasing your ability to attune to your kid to spot that small disruption in their daily pattern. Hey, my kid's not sleeping like they normally do. My kid's appetite has changed. I mean, they've always loved Chick-fil-A or whatever. And, and today they're like, no, nah, I'm just not that hungry. Okay, yeah. well, that's, that's, it may not be, but it might be something else, right? They spot that little difficulty concentrating or that, that kind of pullback of something they always love to do to go watch a movie at night, you know, when you're going to gather up or, or a friend to come over or play in their sport whatever it is, or reading a book, they, they kind of, nah, I'm just not wanting to do that. They, their spidey senses are going off that something is a little different, their mood's a little different, their behavior's a little different. They, they seem to be a little more emotional than normal. When the parent can be attuned enough and grounded themselves, like you said, their own oxygen mask on, you're going to be better at spotting that for your kid. Um, and making sure that they, you know, they get connected with resources. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll continue talking with Dr. D- John Damon, CEO of Canopy Children's Solutions. And if you have a question or comment for him, hey, look, you have a question about your kids, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Hey, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family. 
from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, editor-at-large and cartoonist at Mississippi Today. And today we've been talking with Dr. John Damon. He's the CEO of Canopy Children's Solution about the pandemic and children's mental health. So remember, if you'd like to join that conversation, if you have a question about maybe your child, like you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can drop us an email at Marshall at mpbonline.org. John, we're just talking about a little bit. Of course, obviously, uh, your spidey senses are going off. You're looking there at your child who's maybe sleeping a little bit more. Maybe they're not hungry. Maybe they don't want the normal things they normally like doing. Maybe they're not even engaging with their friends. You can kind of tell something's wrong. What are some things that we can do in the household, uh, conversations that we can have to be able to kind of just, number one, tell kids that things are kind of okay but number two, to kind of be able to root out and to be able to find some solutions uh, with our kids. Yeah, so obviously our big, you know, and you got to adjust this on developmental stage, right? So, um, you know, and, and adjust that conversation developmentally appropriate. But, you know, one of the key things that I know I wish I had done better as a parent, I'm learning to do more, is to be okay sharing a little bit more about where I am. And, of course, as yeah. they get older, you can share more, right? Because modeling, you know, learning is more caught than taught, right? Yes. So modeling that it's okay to share, and here's a struggle that I've, I'm, I'm having uh, about some grief or what have you, is, is actually a very powerful instrument, right, for opening the trust and the line of communication with your, with your kid. Um, you know, our goal is to have this bridge that they can cross at any time, right? And as your boys go to college, it's a longer bridge. It's two hours away. But when they need to cross it, they need to be able to cross it. They need to get to you and ask the question that they need. I mean, you're, you're more of a consultant at this point than you are a, a coach. Yeah. or you know. But you, you get hired when they want to hire you. Um, but but the, the key is we want to welcome their questions, Right. We don't want to avoid any question that we can't answer. We, when we don't know, we can be honest and say we don't know. Um, and remembering that our kids are going to pay more attention to our emotional tone and body language than the content, right? So if we're if we're sitting with them with our arms crossed, you know, rocking in fetal position, saying it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, or looking at our phone, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're really important to me. Right. I check my email. Um, they're, they're just not going to attend to that. So, so that posture of transparency and honesty that's open and real, um, that's, that's very perceptive to the cues they're giving and you being a, a curious scientist about your kid, be curious with them, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's happening in their world? How are you receiving this? What's pinging with you at night, you know? What are the things you're talking about and, and concern with your friends? What are the things that you just, it's 
just bothering you really bad. And then by, by being curious, you know, parents, we always want to give the answer, right? We just want to deliver that answer. Um, but, but to instead kind of step back and listen and to be curious um, and real and transparent with them, I think that creates that bridge, right? And that bridge that you, they need desperately through adolescence to be a safe person and a safe place to have that conversation as they make big life decisions. Uh, and then, you know, like your kids, when you get hired as a consultant later, um, and keep the conversation going to keep, keep talking, um, you know, uh, as your name of your show, let's just keep, let's just keep this talk. Let's keep the conversation going. I think that's the, the big goal for parent, keep them talking. You know, in a previous show, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, and I can't even remember statistic, but one of the things you, that you said, one of the wisdoms that you dropped out was saying that, like, if you do get a therapist for your child, if your child is engaged with the therapist and, and has confidence in them and yes. so forth, it's going to be way more effective. I would think that would also work with parents also. Yes, that's a great um Great point. I mean, it, here's the. I, I think the, the what you're referring to is when when we look at the at all the research of the research, the meta analytic research, only 15 percent of the outcome is the technique itself, right? Wow. The cognitive behavioral therapy, the systematic desensitization, the relaxation technique. So only 15 percent of the of the total outcome is the intervention itself. Uh, the same percentage, 15 percent, is do they think it's going to help? Yeah. Right. So just having hope, which is something that we just got to keep talking about during this pandemic, having hope is is as much of the outcome as. But then the relationship is 30 percent. Right. Of that outcome and 40 percent. The biggest is what they bring to the table, what the unique strengths that they bring to the table that can be the biggest predictor. Do they have a coach that they're connected with? They're good at sports. They're good at math. They have a you know, a youth minister who's really invested in their life. These are all the things they bring to the table that you can leverage for, uh, you know, for change and, and to build a, a solid plan on. So um, keeping the, the parallel process with the parent, having that relationship, 30%, right? Keeping that conversation going, that this, this is a person I can trust and I believe can help me, 15 more percent actually having some maybe some wise things to say or resources to point to, there's another 15%, right? So now all you're doing is trying to find that 40% of your kids' unique giftedness that they can build on. Like, have you have you thought about talking about that with your, you know, your science teacher or, you know, your basketball coach or whatever? And now you're bringing their giftedness to the solutions too, right? That's how we get the maximum kind of a possible uh, thriving situation for our kids. You know, when I was growing up, my family, uh, my parents would make us sit down at the dinner table and we'd have to tell them about our day and we'd have to talk about current events and everything else. Part of the reason why I became a cartoonist, to be honest with you, because, I mean, I was like eight years old talking about Watergate, but um, <laughs> which was really geeky, I, I admit. But, you know, I, I realize now that there was so much genius to that because obviously um, there was a lot of things that were disturbing in the headlines in the world. But we were talking about it. And, and just if families right now that are listening that we're going through this, if, you know, any time that they can have an, a time to sit down with their kids and mm -hmm. to be able to just talk and talk about what's going on in the world and what's going on in the kids lives, that that is a big step toward being able to find healing and normalcy. Oh, that's such a great point, Marshall. I'm glad your parents did that because. You know, the brain is a miracle. I mean, it really is. And, and, and it can work for you or against you, right? So, As I know, yes. <laughs> so, so, so 
so to have those conversations, okay, because particularly trauma things, trauma things get kind of stored and they can get kind of frozen and locked where they are. And so if you only have kind of one neural pathway that you kind of relate to that experience through, right, and that becomes the one that you use over and over, it's just like a, you know, a field of wheat. If you only walk that path, that's going to be the path that's worn down that's used. But, but if you find other pathways to talk about it, to think about it differently, to consider another alternative, another option, you know, what if, fill in the blank, how would you respond if maybe this were to happen? Now you're laying other neural pathways to that, that difficult spot in your life, and you find other creative, like you did with cartoon, you find other creative ways to to lay, take advantage as a kid, particularly of that neuroplasticity of the brain where your brain's so flexible and able to lay down new path- pathways. But even as adults, finding new ways to think about that same thing, that's a lot of what counseling helps to do, or your creative piece that you're doing with drawing, you find other ways for the brain to relate to something very hard to talk about or think about. Uh, we know in the research that sometimes when we're thinking about something traumatic and someone's asking us, so you look at the MRI imaging and so forth, somebody's asking you to say what happened and you literally can't speak. When you when you look at the imaging, you see the part of the brain that, that's responsible for speech, the Broca's region, is not lighting up at all. But the amygdala that's responsible for our emotions is blowing up like a balloon, right? And so they're like, tell me what happened. Tell me what And you're like, they literally can't. They don't have the words. So finding ways, other pathways to create connections with those ex- deeply emotional experiences, like the things our kids are going through, where they've missed prom. They've missed homecoming. They've missed the normal graduation. They you know, missed weddings. They've missed birthday parties. They've all of these big, important model, grandparent that was in the, in the home. They didn't get to see them. We've got to do what your parents did and sit around the table and talk through those things so the brain can have different kind of connections and, if you will, relationships with that experience. We're talking with Dr. John Damon, CEO of Canopy Children's Solutions. If you have a question or comment you'd like to give John a call, you can call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. John, okay, so you're really your parent you're just really really worried about what's going on with your kids and i know uh one solution obviously is to give you a call at canopy and and just talk a little bit about some of the things that y'all do to be able to help and and also too let's talk a little bit about the stigma but we'll talk about that after we talk about all the good stuff you're doing at canopy man thank you uh marshall it's been such a moment right we felt the stewardship responsibility of this mental health moment that we're in i mean Sadly, we've had more demand than, than ever. I think we served over 6,000 uh, kids this year uh, in all 82 counties across the state. Um, the demand for counseling and outpatient work as well as more intense uh, kind of need for, for kids with increased suicide rates and attempts and, and, um, and thoughts, the anxiety and depression rates that have been so high. In a difficult season, our schools that we operate, um, our home-based services in all 82 counties, um, you know, we have certainly seen an increased demand uh, and need for, for help. But what's beautiful, Marshall, I just got to say, I mean, we can talk about the glass half empty all day for sure. 
but the beautiful part has been the stigma challenge of mental health that we, you know, you've been such an advocate, Marshall, um, for so many years, we've leapfrogged that stigma problem 10 years this, this past year. Oh, wow. Um, people who, who usually just don't talk about it or they're not quite sure, or they still feel kind of shameful or whatever are talking about it. Businesses are talking about it. The schools are certainly talking about it. We've kicked off a lot of schools um, training for their, their teachers and so forth this year um, who put at the first issue mental health for our teachers and mental health for our students. We won't be able to educate at all if we don't start there. And so what brilliant leadership to know that they need to start there to have a good school year. And so we've been very involved with that. Um, and businesses doing the same thing, like our employees um, are, are struggling because they're worried about their kids. So how do we support them? So so I would say the, the glass half full part this past year, while there's been increased demand and we see all kind of difficult statistics, is there is an openness to talking about mental health that's very different. Um, people are connecting it with physical health. And, you know, we've talked about these numbers many times, Marshall. One in five kids are struggling, right? Four out of five of those never get help. So, and we believe five of five kids can thrive and get, if they get the help that they need. So, so this past year and a half, going in two years now, of the mental health challenge that, that every family in this country has faced and around the world, has really helped leapfrog that stigma conversation so that we can maybe move the needle from four or five not getting help to everybody realizing, hey, it's okay, and I need to get help. And so we've been very um, honored, I guess, as an organization, as a large provider for kids to really be able to speak in a timely way to that issue across the community and to have the resources there for kids and families to come get help when they are ready to do that either in person or through telehealth. Um, and, and so that's been, uh, I guess, a joy part of this difficult season is watching the conversations happen around the table and in hallways and in, 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 in our schools and our businesses and our church of people saying, you know, it's, I, I really need to get help. I say, yes, it's no different than your earache or your toothache. Um, it, let's, let's, let's get your kid and your family healthy. So that's been a real positive. That's fantastic, John. And I think you just bring up such an incredibly important point because some folks, you know, they might have a heart attack. People bring them casseroles. But if they have some mental issues, they're afraid to talk to anybody like there's going to be stigma exactly. so, as well. All right. We're going to take our last break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up our conversation with Dr. John Damon. If you have any questions or comments, come on, this is your chance. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. All right. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere this is an mpb think radio podcast
Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm the editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. Uh, we've had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with Dr. John Damon, friend of the show, CEO of Canopy Children's Solution, and object of a crush from Michelle. But we're, we're not <laughs> going to go there. Uh, there's still time for you to give us a question. Throw in your question or comment. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can drop us the email at marshall at mpbonline.org. John, we, we touched on the stigma component, and I know Canopy's done a lot to help fight that. Um, yeah. You know, people are just afraid it's going to go on their permanent record, which I – Thankfully, there is no such thing as a permanent record. I can tell you that. I used to, they, they used to hold that over us in elementary school all the time, and somehow I'm 53 now, and there's no permanent record. Well, there, there is if, I guess, you break the law, but that's a, not quite the same thing. But I know Canopy's been doing a lot to fight stigma. What are some of the things that y'all do? Well, man, look, we've been running um, a lot of, of commercials and radio and – uh, putting out messages in social media, um, training in, in schools and businesses um, on the science of hope. Um, and, and we've got a, a big gala butterfly ball that will be coming up that uh, Marshall will be um, emceeing. It's going to be amazing on October the 9th where we'll celebrate a lot of, of um, incredible accomplishments. And we're going to do that in a very safe way. Uh, being being very nimble and how we keep everyone completely safe, but to celebrate the mental health accomplishments and what has been done. And so we we are pressing in every corner from an advocacy standpoint to get full yield of this mental health moment and to decrease the stigma and press the message that treatment works and hope is available. And hope is not a wish. Hope is a science. And we can bring, you know, real hope to a very difficult situation, and we've got a great way to help you reach that goal. Uh, and and so, you know, that, that invitation, we're, we're trying to press Marshall on every possible avenue that we can and, and, and advocate uh, to get people to take those steps. One of the things that I've uh, – it's been on the news a lot. In fact, I saw a segment on it this morning on uh, the morning news talking about our medical heroes. They're, I mean, they're truly facing burnout right now because, once again, you know, even like when they were doing residency, they knew there was going to be an ending point on this. And yeah. uh, they're overwhelmed right now and so forth. Many have even quit. What are some things that they can do to help protect themselves mentally uh, from, you know, they obviously wear PPE to protect themselves from the virus or, or get the vaccine, but th- what do they need to do mentally to take care of themselves right now? You know, my wife is a home health nurse, um, does IV, IG for immunocompromised, and they've been stretched and hard. And so we, we have a lot of those conversations about, you know, this, this isn't just a short-term sprint. This is a long-term marathon. So how do we and, and Marshall, it's it's the little things that we know in our head, but we don't know in our heart. All right, so so you know, there's a difference in knowing something and believing it, <laughs> right? Like you can know chocolate cake is bad for you, but if you believe it's going to help you feel happy, you're going to eat it, right? So right. It's not just knowing; it's believing. But to to turn the corner to believe that getting the right sleep is going to put me in a, in a spot to produce better, like routine around just sleep. Because, you know, if your sleep's off, everything's off. So you can't just binge watch the next Netflix every night. 
and, and, and you, you may have a hard time getting in a routine on that. Just set your, your, your wake up time the same every day and, and the routine that goes with that. Um, and then the sleep time will follow, but, but getting the routine around and believing that my sleep is important, believing that my exercise is important, not just so I look better or whatever, but if I'm going to run this marathon, I have to make sure I'm engaging movement. Uh, trauma is, is stored in the body, right? It is, it is a real thing. And there's all kind of research that shows the movements that we do and how we get in synchronistic kind of movement format is critical for our mental health. So, so doing exercise, healthy diet, I, I stepped on your toes earlier about the, the, the comfort foods, but actually putting the, the right fuel in the tank of your car. If you're going to take a long journey on this marathon, you need the right fuel. So, so doing that right, the mindfulness, and I saw you, you had something about not being just mindful, but mindful, right? Don't just have your mind full of stuff. Be, be mindful to slow down, to be more aware, not less, of the present moment, to be fully present in that moment, relaxing your body and your mind, um, and not just think about my schedule. i got to go back to the hospital. I'm going to be there seven, seven on today. And this, but to be present in the moment, getting outside from vitamin D to being in open spaces, and then this is a critical thing for all healthcare professionals and all of us that are doing this work that's so difficult. Ask for help. Like, don't be afraid. Don't just be the hero that's always got to give. In the your point earlier about putting that oxygen mask on. Right. Don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. Well, in, that la- in the last minute or so that we've got left in the show, mm. just I, I, once again, what's the best way to help our kids thrive right now and not just survive? Look, man, here, here it is. This is real easy, and everybody can get their handle on this. The most important thing we can give our kids right now and each other is hope. Not false hope, real hope. Okay, we, we talked before about Stockdale Paradox and kind of false hope. Yeah. But, but hope is a science. It's not a wish. There's over 2,000 published articles showing that the single best predictor of positive outcomes, whether it's trauma, learning to walk after an accident, surviving cancer, school performance for your kids, being a happier employee, navigating a natural disaster, you name it. The single biggest predictor variable was hope. And hope has three components. This is what everybody sees to have in their head, and, and we can get them more information, but it's three things. Number one, hope has to have a clear goal. You have to have a desirable enough goal that motivates you to action. Okay, that connects that belief. Two, you got to have a pathway. What's the how's the what's the path to get there? The roadmap, your GPS, and three, the willpower. And the willpower is going to fail you on your own. You have to have friends and people that love you come alongside you to drive you to that goal. So well, those John, are the three things. thank you. You know we love you and thank you for being here. You can find out more from them from mycanopy.org or give them a call at eight hundred three eight eight. 6247. All right, that's the end of another great show. I want to thank Dr. John Damon, CEO of Canopy Children's Solutions, for being on. Now Your Talking is produced by MPB Think Radio. It's produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell. And join us next week for more great conversation here on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have an awesome week. <laughs>